0: You just have to realize what role you have to play in this journey. So don't be the hero, be the sage, the wise one. Mm. You be the one that guides the customer through the journey. The customer is the hero.
1: Yes, that is like the most important thing. I want to like reiterate that times a 50 billion Mm. times, listeners. You as provider are not the hero. The customer is the hero. Yeah. 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 Welcome to Too Legitimate to Quit, instantly actionable small business strategies with a pop culture spin. I am your host, Annie P. Ruggles, and my guest today is the fabulous Dave Monk. Dave Monk is the mastermind behind the 12 Hats movement based in Western Australia. Dave has previously worked in community radio and has completed two master's degrees in marketing. He is passionate about using the power of marketing and communications for social change. He is the host of the twice-weekly 12 Hats radio podcast and of the daily Friendly Futurist podcast. Welcome to Too Legitimate to Quit. Hey, Dave. Thanks for being on the show today. Great to be here, Annie. You know, it's fun to say today because you're in Australia and I'm in Chicago. So today for me is yesterday for you. But it's great to have you here whatever day where you're on, whatever you're listening. So, Dave, what do small business owners need to focus on today?
0: A brand. Ooh. Be more specific because I know they're always focusing on when it comes to marketing. Advertising, getting out, getting out there to the masses, getting out there to the masses, they have not thought entirely about what a brand is and what a what a brand stands for. What's behind a brand? So it's more than just a logo. It's the whole vibe, the whole aura of your business. It's your backstory. It's the story where you want to be positioned as. It's your main point of difference. And I think many small business owners, when they first, especially when they first Start out they shouldn't really be investing in saying other market activities such as advertising they need to build that credibility first they need to put all their that's their attention on with on their brand this is the, if you look at all the big brands out there i mean they don't spend one advertiser when they put out publicity whatever they do they don't put out things about their product or their company they just Tell a story. And it's what little businesses should be doing. They should be telling stories.
1: I love that idea of, of solidifying the brand. And, and I love the words you use there, the vibe and the aura. Mm. Before you do that big paid advertising push or before you're even trying to get many, 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 many eyes. It's like dazzle the few with clarity before you branch out. I think that's so important. Why do you think branding, and and I love the way you defined it, because everybody defines it differently. But, you know, again, the vibe, the aura, the backstory, your main point of difference, such great language from you there. Why do we rush through that stuff in favor of advertising? Why do you think we, we really are just kind of like, ah, eh, my brand is good enough, move on?
0: I think people are just hardwired to think that we're going to have to get quantity first you know we're up in business we're my customers but they're falling for a trap that's saying that the customer's not going to spend money if they don't know who you are and if you're not that credible no matter what you do I mean if people don't trust you they're not going to spend a, spend a dime with you so please just look yourself in an introspect and this is why we're talking about pop culture by the way this is how it can all be right back to marketing Find your voice, find yourself, establish yourself first before you can jump in. I can't stress this enough.
1: I love that you're specifically tying it to the voice, because I think we can also be very literal here, Mm. Dave, in that you help people with something that I've never really thought of, even though I'm doing this show right now, which is one of the things that you specialize in is audio. Mm branding so literally the use of the voice and the message of your voice out in the world have you always been interested in the spoken word or how did podcasting become a passion for you
0: years ago annie i was on community radio here in perth western australia so i have got an experience in the audio world i started podcasting october 2019 i almost fell into it but I just fell in love with audio, and I think audio is underrepresented in especially in content marketing, which is my little priority, I guess, where I think there's no other content that gets so intimate and with your listeners. But audio is so powerful and it's so transferable you can take it everywhere with you in the car going for a jog you know washing dishes everywhere you, you need to have your eyes averted to a, another task you still can have audio play in the background and I think that's no video can't match that no matter what and also I think I'm, I'm I'm a part of solution getting people away from the screens and you know looking up and see the beauty of the world I think that's a very important thing
1: I love that I love that because I definitely listen to the majority of shows that I listen to, both for business and for pleasure, while I'm doing Mm. dishes or while I'm putting on my makeup in the morning or driving. And yeah, like I love video, I love it dearly, but I'm not going to watch even the best person I know's video while I'm driving. It's just not going to happen. And so I think it's so interesting that the way that you're talking about it, it's really bringing that education and that experience seamlessly into other areas of your life.
0: Yeah. And also, I think audio has come full circle. Because you know, you know the term soap opera? It started off on radio back in the 1930s. And that was sponsored by... It did? It's sponsored by companies like Procter & Gamble. And they were specifically content marketing aimed at housewives, stuck at home, and were pushed for different types of detergent.
1: Oh, man, you're blowing my mind right now. That's why it's called a soap opera?
0: why it's called a soap opera. That's the whole thing. And this is where he's coming back. And this is what my company also is trying to do is create long-form content marketing that doesn't feel like advertising, but you can sit sit the audience down and have that intimate one-on-one conversation with them. And it's no other medium that can do it. I mean, it, it doesn't have to be podcasting. It can be an audio book. It can be an internet radio station. It's, the key is it has to come through the speaker.
1: Mm. Right. Because if you tell the same story that everybody else is telling, it loses its power. It does.
0: Absolutely. And also, it's perfect for introverts. I'm, I'm a bit of an introvert myself. I'm, I got, don't have to t- stand up in front of a, a large audience and speak. I can just sit in my bedroom, soundproof, my little soundproof booth, and just speak away into my microphone. And it's.
1: I totally agree. Everybody assumes that I'm an extrovert because I'm very loud mm. and flaily but I'm actually just a very loud introvert who has spent my whole life covering shyness by being loud. And you're right. Like, number one, I really enjoy on the back end. I really, really enjoy these conversations selfishly. Like, I love meeting new people because that's a one-on-one. It doesn't flare up my introversion. But at the same point, you're right. Like, I don't have to be completely on. I don't have to be entirely performative. I can edit after the fact. It doesn't have to be live, right? So I think that is right. It is actually kind of an introvert's dream when it comes to marketing. Absolutely.
0: And I think this is the reason why podcasting exploded uh, last year, because I think you finally look at the numbers at the beginning of 2020, we had uh, 850,000 podcasts. At the end of 2020, we had something like 1.6 million. So <laughs> everyone was locked down. Everyone had nowhere to go. And I think podcast was just that perfect medium for the time. And I think this is why it's growing. And
1: yeah. Right. After we all ran out of Netflix after about six yes. days, what are we going to do now? Yeah. I want to go back to this idea of of using the voice in your brand. And, and I said, you know, just a second ago, I said, if you're telling the same story, it's not necessarily as powerful or as interesting. But I, I want to put a caveat on what I just said and also get your opinion on it and saying that doesn't mean that if what you're saying isn't so unbelievably groundbreaking that you should stay silent. So like, what's the magic formula for knowing when your voice is unique enough if you are talking about a subject that a lot of people talk about? For example, you and I are talking about small businesses like a gajillion other people in the world. But but what's that magic recipe? Is there a recipe for just enough uniqueness without having it to having to be, you know, every word out of your mouth has to be groundbreaking?
0: I think people love other people being love genuine. I mm. think genuine be authentic authenticity sells. So and also don't be scared of imperfection. Don 't have to be perfect um, if you're a small business and you're up against say look you got a small bakery and you're up against a large large uh, bread manufacturer a small bakery being small is actually an advantage because you're chances are you're family owned you've been around for like decades even centuries, and you've got probably got one really good recipe now that's those things might be seen as a weakness in some, but
1: you. But in that one, it's it's your specialty. It's a true niche specialty. Exactly, and this is
0: who you are. This is part of your identity. This is where I'm going back full circle. It's is sometimes you just have to look in introspect. You have to look where where you're coming from and celebrate it. Be yourself.
1: One yeah. one of the traps that I see in terms of the voice mm-hmm. and in terms of you know audio presentation. Um, That I see in sales, because I teach sales, um, is when people are having a conversation and their relationship building, they're using a tone that is very true and authentic to themselves. And then when it's time to ask for the sale they totally shift and become an entirely different person because it's uncomfortable for them. I'm wondering, do you see the same thing in audio branding where people feel compelled to be more polished, more professional, more stuffy, and therefore they lose some of that uniqueness? Is that a thing that you see? Uh,
0: Yes, to a point where... Especially because you haven't got that much to work with. If you change your pitch and change your tone, uh, it's very dangerous because even if you speak on the phone, you can tell immediately through the the ear that someone's being disingenuous or being authentic. So I think it's a very fine line where you have to really pitch your voice and really come across. I think if you all of a sudden... Put up your pitch. A um, mm-hmm. colleague is a pitch coach in one of my business networks. He's saying that the, deeper, the deep, dark, down tones, like we hear in most newsreaders, radio presenters, if they speak like really slow and low, you know they can be quite truthful and genuine and almost a furtive voice. So if you, I can. You almost can tell if someone's trying to pitch to you if selling something because they're not being genuine. They raise the voice a bit and trying to speak really fast, and that's yeah. almost a turnoff. I mean, that's
1: oh, it's a huge yeah. turnoff. That's exactly what I was talking yeah. about. It's like you know, we're we're having a conversational time, and then I realize that I have you know three minutes left on a discovery call and I haven't made the offer yet and I'm nervous about pitching to you and I don't want to get rejected. And so this conversation right now is a perfect example. If I turned around on a dime and suddenly I was like, okay, Dave, so if you're ready to change the world, are you ready to change the world today, Dave? Are you ready to change the world? It's $29.99, Dave. It's $29.99. Or even like where I get super amped in sales or what I see all the time on the flip side of that is we're having this great conversation, we're having this great rapport, and then it's time for me to sell, and I just stop and clam up and become over-cold and over-professional yeah. and just say, so now I would like to talk to you about the benefits of my program. And it's like, no, mm.
0: I think the best piece of advice I can give is, you know, do all the don't do the pitch and everything like that on the phone, but it depends on the product you're selling, of course. Yeah,
1: yeah, of course.
0: If it's like a service and you're trying to sell something to people, what's, I know we're in, most parts of the world's in lockdown at the moment, but what's wrong with inviting your prospect out for a cup of coffee and sitting down face to face and being personal with them? Then you can almost seal the deal because rather than doing it on the phone, then people can see the personal one on one interactions, they can see who you are, they can read your body language, they can then they can make up their mind. I think that's – I think we lost – touch. that's why I hate telemarketers so much. Oh, yeah. yeah. So what's what's wrong with a little bit of personal interaction or just –
1: You know, and it's – that's the the funny thing about 2020 slash 2021 is that all of us are living on Zoom Mm. now, and I'm freaking tired of Zoom, and yet – I will still prefer to record every episode of this show and to have every sales call on video or even just on audio so that at least we can hear each other and you can see a picture of yes. me while I talk. Like, even that lends the credibility you were talking about at the very beginning. And and I think that that's so key. So one thing that I want to... uh focus on with you today and one of the things that you came here to talk about today is a fabulous book that not only is a standalone book but also a whole framework which is the idea of the hero's journey what does the hero's journey first off what is it and what does it have to do anything with audio branding with podcasting with small business at all
0: well, to be honest, the whole hero's journey more lives into the visual sphere. I mean, I think there's still a lot of work that needs to be done to put it into the audio sphere, but bear with me. So basically the hero's journey, for those who don't know, also known as the monomyth, myth, is a form of the, you know, you'll see in almost every piece of pop culture. It's basically it's the same plot. That you will find in Star Wars, The Matrix, Spider Man, Superman, all these all these films, books, TV shows have the same format. You got this ordinary person who meets someone wise, they go on a bit of a journey, they face a few challenges, they face the villain slash monster, they slay the monster, and that ordinary person becomes a hero, and then the cycle repeats. That's the it's the yeah. whole, it's what Joseph Campbell formulated in 1946. It's also based on archetypes, which is Carl Jung, which came out about 1916. I've also written the faces on it. This is my, my little puppy. So I think it can work. and I think it's just, I think it's a I've said challenge for people out there, especially those who are trying to pursue an academic um,
1: mm-hmm.
0: pursuit. Come up with a formula like that that can apply to something like a radio serial or a podcast. I mean, this is, it's quite deep, if you kind of think about it. It's very, and it's quite based in psychology. But also, it's a metaphor of how people can transform themselves.
1: And that's what every sale is, is the promise of transformation. Every single sale, Mm. especially when you're selling a service, is, I am going to change your life by giving you this thing at the core, right? So I think that's so smart to to tie it both to storytelling and mm. to the hero's journey because it is a quest, right? Everyone is questing. Everyone is on a journey of some kind, whether that's a journey to get healthy or to make a million dollars or to... You know, adopt a child, whatever it is it's all a yep. journey You
0: just have to realize what role you have to play in this journey. so don't be the hero, be the sage, the wise one mm. so you be the one that guides the customer through the journey. The customer's the hero
1: Yes, yes, that is like the most important thing. I want to like reiterate that times of fifty billion mm. times listeners. you as provider are not the hero. The customer is the hero. And so often in marketing and in sales, I see this breakdown form of marketing that treats you as provider, as the hero, and actually your customer, not only as like the lackey who can't get their life together without you, but also as the villain in their own story, And, and that's very effective for nasty, treacherous marketing yeah. and quick, nasty breakdown selling. But I think that distinction you made is so unbelievably key. You are the sage. You are the Merlin. You're not Arthur. You're Merlin. You're not Harry Potter. You're Dumbledore, right? So yeah. I think that's huge.
0: The darkness, the big challenge is the pain point of what – you're trying to sell. And the value proposition is that you'll come out the other side, a stronger person. So you have to Mm -hmm. think like that, then it'll make it a lot more easier. I mean, yeah, it's not about you dummy
1: after all. (laughs) Yes, exactly. That's always the fun, like fine line. The dance of being a small business that is based on you is like, how much of my business is about me Hmm. and how much of my business is not about me? Because to your point, from the very beginning, if it's not enough about you, it blends in with everybody but else. But if it's too much about you, then you're just bragging, and nobody cares because you're not talking about what you can do for yeah. someone else yeah, you gotta
0: exactly you gotta f- tread that fine line between you know being you know, <laughs> having a huge ego and being so, you know, a small one you gotta have that nice happy medium that. You come across as authoritative but trustworthy. And that's what a sage does. So if you this is why I think everyone should read um at least try to read some archetype literature. I can recommend a few books if you...
1: go right ahead. I love your book recommendations. I'm a big time reader so, so
0: please. The first one comes up came out way back in 2001. It was called the Hero and the Outlaw by Mark and Pearson. Mm-hmm. And this is this outlines 12 basic brand archetypes that your business can apply. You've got everything from the innocent through to the outlaw. So you, you've got something like a Harley Davidson dealership or something like that. An outlaw is perfect. Even, no, surprisingly, an outlaw archetype is Starbucks. I mean, no, no, no. Starbucks is that. Explorer, sorry, I was now corrected. An outlaw archetype is definitely like something like Harley Davidson, Rolling Stone magazine, even Monster Energy Drink. Right through to Hero, you've got the Magician. And right at the end of the spectrum, you've got something like the Ruler, which is more luxury brands, which is you know, your, right. your Rolex, your Mercedes Benz of the world. And each of these archetypes has a different color scheme, different ways you can talk, different patterns that you can follow in your marketing it's a brilliant brilliant book another one is not much to do with marketing but it's a lot of popular culture and i do recommend for a read it's by hirschman and it's called heroes monsters and messiahs Ooh. it came out about year at the same time about year 2000 of what this one does this is for the pop, pop pop culture nerds it looks at every decade in the last half of the 20th century from the 1950s right through the 1990s, and it reports on the differences between all the major movies, TV shows, and and what's the how it reflects the culture of the day. So something that was popular in the 1970s was just like rebellious,
1: anti-establishment. Yeah. Edgy, yeah, yeah anti-establishment, well, gritty. Yeah, it's
0: unheard of in the nineteen fifties. Nineteen fifties. Oh was... yeah,
1: no, everything in the fifties was pure and sunshiny and and also
0: can be paranoid when you look at the old, you know, old school, you know, sci-fi, UFO films and everything like that. But yeah, it 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 reflects on the whole progress of how public culture evolves over the decades. I think this is a great way to know that you know, as a marketer. The Holy Grail is to contribute to popular culture.
1: Oh, hold on. Say that again. That is so good. As a marketer. As a
0: marketer, the Holy Grail is to come up with a a concept that contributes directly to, to popular culture.
1: Oh, I love that.
0: In Australia, back in the 70s, we had a jingle for the cricket. Was, come on, I Come on. Yeah. That went to number four on the charts in 1979. And every Aussie – I was born in 82, but we, I still know the words because it was just – everyone knew the words. It was so catchy. Yeah. And, you know, it brought people back to the cricket. That's an example I can think of. But there's so many others, I mean.
1: But it's got that staying power. It's got that culture behind it. Even if it's multicultural, it's got its own culture behind exactly.
0: it. I mean, think about Coke. Like the cola doesn't even have to spend a word, and don't have to put one thing about their product into their advertising. The coke is a, just a byword for a cola drink,
1: yeah. If you can
0: contribute to popular culture that way, I mean, you have to find that it's very hard to do, mind you. It's extremely difficult
1: and it takes time. Like, coke didn't just get their branded red overnight.
0: In fact, interesting enough, you, I know this. this um Research done in about twenty ten, someone actually put people into a MRI scanner, and the, when I showed them images of Coke, actually light up the same part of the brain as someone recognising an old friend.
1: So it really is, though.
0: Yeah, it really is.
1: Like one of my favorite things, and I know that we're talking about audio branding, but like one of my very favorite, very famous examples of of sensory experiential branding is Singapore Airlines because they have the the air that gets pumped into the plane, the flight attendants, all of the things. It's all the same smell. So when you smell that out in the world and it's this beautiful, luxurious smell, you're like, ooh, this is luxurious and beautiful, Singapore Airlines. Mm. Right. Like it's not like that happened immediately. That took a lot of work. But, you know, and and most of my listeners do not have the expendable advertising and branding budget of Coke or Singapore Airlines. But you can still be making deliberate decisions yes. about how you want your brand to make people feel. Hmm. And if you can have a sensory element, one of them being your voice yeah, that is unique to you, I think that just makes it all the better.
0: If you went viral on social media for all the right reasons because of your little piece of genius, that's you know, that. You're just one marketing guy. I just can remember. I think it was a few years ago. This was a fish fishmonger in the one of the markets in London, and in, he had no money. He was just a little small business owner, but he had a great singing voice, and. Every he just stood in front of his store and he just sang what he had on offer. Uh, you can look it up on YouTube, it's and it went viral and he drove people to his business. And he didn't, didn't spend one pound on, on advertising. And that's and that's, there's so many good examples of that out there. The
1: small but business that's the perfect example of that uniqueness and that talent that you're talking about. Do you have any other uh, final pieces for of wisdom for us about bringing archetypes into your podcast, if you're a podcaster, or bringing archetypes, having them benefit your spoken word, whatever that may be?
0: Do a little bit of homework onto the archetypes and read all 12, and there are wait, there are resources out there. Find the one that resonates with you the strongest. Then, congratulations—you've got a strategy. You can then you got the boundaries of what you can and cannot do, and you can just focus hmm. on that.
1: That makes total sense.
0: If you want to be an explorer, there is ways the explorer would present themselves, you know, and not not exp- present themselves, and that's what you need to focus on. It these things take time to build up, but this is a, almost like a cheat sheet to building up a great brand that you know people will the deep down in their unconscious. The you know what you are, this is all about interpretive patterns, after all. So, this is what you have to really yeah, think
1: about. yeah. and also, but I love the idea of interpretive patterns as. Boundaries mm. as guidelines for behavior because I hadn't necessarily thought about, you know, if I'm showing up as the sage, to call back an example from before, mm. there are ways that I'm both going, I should lean into behaving, and also some things, maybe ways that I showed up in the past for other clients, for other businesses yeah. that do not fit that role and therefore no longer fit my narrative. Yeah.
0: So if you want to do a sage, I mean, if you want to do it on audio, work on your voice, bring it down low and slow, you know, round up your vowels and do it very authoritative, like almost almost like a, be like a newsreader. Look, do what the newsreaders mm-hmm. do on, on the radio and try to model your voice similar to that to, to the best of your ability. I think that's the best way you can do it. And also, if you want to go out in public, also if you pick a tip, typical archetype, try to dress similar to what that archetype dictates. So if you go for a ruler, obviously put on a suit. If you go for an explorer, you know, wear clothes that wore outdoorsy outdoor, type, you know, use that as a guide to be where you present yourself.
1: When I was little... We were always told, like, dress for the job you want. Mm. You know, so dress for the archetype that you want to feel. That makes complete and yes. total sense. Dave, I have two more questions for you today. The first one is as the hero of your own story, what is the next chapter of your life called?
0: Ooh. What's the next chapter of my life called? Well, I think my life is still in progress. So I think it's still entering the dark cave.
1: Ooh. Because
0: I think, I don't think the hero's journey for me won't, won't be complete until the day I die. So I think it's always being up for that challenge. You always have to work. You always have to, you know. Slay that monster that is in front of you. No longer how, as soon as you realize you haven't done that, you're lost. So enter that dark cave and just keep facing that challenges and keep just pushing yourself.
1: That's gorgeous. That's just gorgeous. So if I am standing on the precipice or if I'm standing at the mouth of my own dark cave and I need some of your sage wisdom and your companionship, what is the best way for my listeners to start a conversation with you?
0: Right. So you can find me. First and foremost, I've got two podcasts.
1: Tell us about
0: them. The first one is my one I've been going a long time. It's called the 12, 12 Hats Radio. And it's about it's a marketing podcast with different. So each week I talk to a different entrepreneur, marketer, life coach. And we'll give them just a chat about their journey. And we'll have a few laughs. I'm just trying to keep it as light as light entertainment as possible without going into too much jargon. My second one I've just launched, it's called The Friendly Futurist. Mm. And this is a spin-off. And this is what's fueling my curiosity. I'm just talking about social change initiatives, the next big thing in tech, what the world's going to be like in 5, 10 years' time. And we're just going to have a flowing conversation about what's out there and trying to make it as interesting as possible. I've just just launched it this week, so I really want people to get the word out. Also, I encourage, if you want to have a direct conversation with me, follow me on Twitter, at 12 underscore hats one for 12 Hats Radio, or can also sign up to my newsletter, which is the 12 Hats newsletter, which will cover both podcasts. But this is, what, this is what I'll do every week is bring out what's driving my curiosity, what's happening behind the scenes in
1: my little world. All right, everybody, be sure to check the show notes. I'm going to put the books that we've talked about today both of the shows and the mailing list that were just mentioned all in the show notes. So they will be there. Dave, thank you so much for lending your voice to my show today. It's been an absolute pleasure to have you.
0: I'm here, Annie. Thanks very much for the invite and listen out for Annie's episode of my podcast coming out shortly.
1: Yes, so shortly, I will make sure that if it's already out, that gets linked too. Everybody, I will be back in just a second with my final thought and your homework for the week. Well, hey there, listeners. The innocent, everyman, hero, outlaw, explorer, creator, ruler, magician, lover, caregiver, jester, and sage. These are the 12 archetypes as defined by Carl Jung. Since recording this episode with Dave a few months ago, I have thought of them often, most specifically of the hero and of the sage. Now, I am of the opinion that the main difference between sleazy and non-sleazy selling is whether you treat your buyer like a transaction or like a human. And I've come to see that the difference between empowering marketing and desperation-based marketing is not only in how the pain points are addressed, but in how the play is cast. If the marketer casts themselves as the hero, it makes the prospect the villain of their own story. But if the marketer casts themselves as the sage, the hero has a chance to step into his or her or their own power. So simple, but so profound. Your homework this week is to do some wild daydreaming. Using the fantasy genre of your choice, imagine that your business is actually a sweeping epic spanning several books, movies, fanfic sites, cons, whatever. What kind of sage are you? Are you the older, reliable, no-nonsense curmudgeon with a heart of gold? Are you the wise beyond your years kid sister type who harnesses the power of intuition to connect? Are you more witch-like or more angelic? Are you more Leslie Nope or Silent Bob? Rewrite your customer's journey. In grand, sweeping narratives, exaggerate liberally. Toss in whatever supernatural elements or lush backgrounds you like. Costume it to high heaven, but pay close attention to how you behave, how you inspire, how you course correct, how you teach, how you handle conflict, and how you approach pain. Then pull Three specific actions out of your daydream story. What very real but still magical action items can be inspired by the boundaries of your archetype and by the needs of your true heroes? Too Legitimate to Quit is brought to you by the Non-Sleazy Sales Academy and me, your host, Annie P. Ruggles. If you struggle to sell, because you don't know how to put a price on all that goodness in you and you don't like the way that your competitors do it, I have great news for you. You can find my free challenge, Making Something Easy Without Getting Sleazy, anytime at www.annipruggles.com easy, not sleazy. Our show is edited and produced by Andrew Sims of Hyperbowl, our fabulous theme tune is by Riley Horbacio, who I found on Fiverr. Our gorgeous podcast art is by Francois Vigno, who I found on Upwork. And our marketing team is led by the unbelievably life-saving Nick Bonitatibus. Don't forget to check today's show notes for more information about our fabulous guests, plus some continuing resources and some Etsy finds from other super fans of today's topic. All pop culture elements mentioned in this episode remain the sole intellectual property of their respective owners. I do not own them, so please don't sue me.